For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? to the On My Block podcast with Mike Wall and I am Amon Green. Mike, man, how you doing? Hey, G, I'm doing okay. I mean, listen, yesterday was tough. Yes. I think that I think the term uh, for it is we have to eat crow today. Yeah, <laughs> is, it eat, is it eat crow? <laughs> I remember, I think it was the first time I heard that, that statement. It was either, it had to be, it had to be Seattle. I heard that first time. I was mm-hmm. like, eat crow? I say it must be a bad thing because we got our butt kicked yesterday. <laughs> so yeah, I just, yeah, it's not I a good thing. Two and two together. That's like, this is not a good thing. So crow must taste like, you know what? So yeah, I'm it's like, not eat right. quail, it's eat crow. Right, it's eat crow. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, watching it. We'll get into a minute. Before we do all that, you know, between the college football and everything else going on this weekend, I'm going to get into our, our sponsors of the show, Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports contests, events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and then golf, Mike, as well. So Bet Online continues to be the top online source for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. I say that's the one I want to start getting into, those, those prop bets, Mike, those little interesting ones that people throw out there that I didn't even know. I'm like, yes, I know I can bet on that now. Let me tell you what we did. You're going to love this. So my fantasy, my fantasy football teams, all business school buddies, right? So they're all over the world, right? Cause it was an international school. Yep. So we have, uh, this was in Oxford, right? Well, it was, it was in, it was in London. London. Okay. But so I, the guy who runs the, the commissioner of our, our Dylan Torv is our commissioner is from uh, Australia. Right. I almost said New Zealand. He'd kill me. Yeah. From Australia, and and we decided last week to pool all of because we we put money into the the kitty and then first second place winners blah blah blah. Right. We decided this year, hey, we're gonna start doing prop bets every week, and so we taken like a hundred dollars Australian every week or every two weeks or whatever, and doing prop bets, and we hit our prop bet on Thursday night for like you know a hundred turned into like five hundred and fifty, and let me tell you, this group is fired up. I don't even know if we'll do fantasy anymore. We, wow, might was just, it? we might just become degenerate gamblers. It was like Josh Allen's over on the passing, the under on the game, and then I forgot what the third one was, but right. Oh, it. nice. See, yep, that's what I want to get into. I'm gonna try it out. So head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use the promo code BLEAV50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Deposit. Best on Bet Online. Wow. Where the game starts, Mike. I'm just uh, trying to rumble all over them, them words there. But now we get to the, as you said, quietly and, and well kept, the shit show yeah. that happened this Sunday in U.S. Bank Stadium between the Green and Gold Packers, between the Purple and Gold 
Vikings. I say they earned the name Vikings today. We we call them Queens on me and Dil- Gilbert and Dorsey show, but they definitely earned the word Vikings. So I'm a, I'll start it off with you, Mike. What you got? Well, listen, I, I think the, the way we, the format we run this show is we're going to talk. We're going to do a very minimal time about talking about the skill guys, like everybody knows. We're going to yep. go right into the trenches as soon as we can. Exactly. I'm just going to say this. We look like a team who knew we were missing too many guys mm-hmm. from the jump. And right. you know, we know we're missing Jenkins and Bakhtiari. We'll talk about that later. And everybody's talking about Adams, and there's a tracker on the TV. Adams has so many catches, and our receivers have X amount. Lazard not being there is a big deal. It's a problem. It's a big deal. And and when you start out a game, and you're in, first of all, we know that playing in Minnesota is, for us, was probably the most hostile environment we could play in. It was. It was tough. They are fired up. This is just like – O'Connell reminds me of when Lovey Smith went to Chicago and said, hey, our number one mission is to beat Green Bay. Yep. Now, everybody's number one mission is to beat the division winners. But when you come out and say it, you know, it's a real thing. O'Connell's got that same kind of mentality. This team is built to beat Green Bay. How do you beat Green Bay? Well, apparently, you go get two really good pass rushers on the edges. Uh-huh. Right? One they already had. He's just been injured for yeah, the last Yeah, years. Daniel Hunter's been, been there. Been and there. by the way, he's special. He but is. You you have you have players at all three levels. Something we talked about. You play deep coverage. You have a speedy linebacker that can take away the middle, and you make Andrews. you make Aaron you you make Aaron either throw the check down or throw or try to beat you on long developing routes and thinking that you're going to get pressure in the pocket. And you're going to get those guys to get home, and they just did a phenomenal job. And the one thing I always wonder about AG is like. When you start out the season or a game and Christian Watson double moves Patrick Peterson, Hall of Fame player, and Aaron drops it in the breadbasket and we drop the pass and it's an easy touchdown, we, you know, we, we're back 7-7. I don't know if this team, it doesn't look like this team could recover from that early miscue. And I, you know, certainly I don't know if, you know, he could and how every, you know, everybody played during the, if you watch this game, there's at least two quarters of them feeling sorry for themselves over that play. Let's just talk about it a little bit because we have the experience in this, right? Personally and also from mm-hmm. that point, like, what does that do for his confidence? What does that do for that entire team's confidence? Knowing that we're missing guys, there's all these question marks around who we're going to distribute the ball to. There's all these question marks around our offensive line. What does that do to us, man? To see that play happen as a as a player, like I'm watching that play play out, and as soon as I saw him drop the ball, it's all man. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And I saw the look on Aaron's face. And the first thing that popped in my head was that conversation in training camp. I'm pretty sure that is running right across his head now. And all those players said, uh, especially Christian Watson. Um, play, I mean, it was easy play. He played, he's made that catch probably a, a hundred times in North yep. Dakota State, whatever, wherever he played high school. And he showed his ability, what he can do against a defensive back, hitting a double move and then outrunning him. But now just finished the job. But from that standpoint, mentally everybody basically got reminded oh you know he's not Devonte from that right there and that's where everybody's gonna go and unfortunately you could see the mentality where these players are was like they were there and i'm like Devonte's one man i said i respect his game if i was uh, if i was a teammate of his and him being gone you know yeah we miss him but you know what we got to work with the guys we got here we got to give them all the support we got to give them the confidence too to go make plays like he did so moving forward, obviously, that's a learning lesson they can use for this game. Look at that mistake and be like, you know what? We got to fix it because we got 16 more games to go. If we don't figure it out, we got another team that just pulled it out 
they figured it out a way in Chicago with the rain against a good 49ers team. And they coming up here with a win. So that means they're going to be ready to play. <laughs> so that's the mindset that coaches, players in that building at 1265 have to have on, have to have in their head. Because if not, this next game is going to be another tough game. And it's going to get rough and rougher throughout the year because everybody from week one, as we watch games, I know you watched a lot of games. I watched a lot of games. Everybody in this division competed. The Lions competed. The Bears competed. And obviously we saw the Vikings compete against the Brown uh, Packers and win. So this division now is, is put on notice to say, hey, we scrappy. We're going to fight. We might have to go back to being the call the black and blue division again. So, um, Actually, that, and I don't think we, yeah, I don't think we'd care about that. That'd be a great thing, right? Right. It's just I we got to make it. sure we're, we're we got to make sure we're part of the party there exactly. because there's there's two things that that we, you know, and I watched when it went back, watched the end zone copy, and mm-hmm. there's two things that are really disturbing about this game. I think one, the first is you know Adam Sedimich is now the offensive coordinator, no longer the offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Lafleur is calling the plays, but you you do there are some changes in, in leadership there, and you do see especially with this game with all the injuries with everything that's happening the situation we're in as far as being in Minnesota, right. you could tell Aaron Rodgers is on a play clock early. Like he's in an internal play clock real early. In other words, he's dropping back and 1,001 through 1,002, he's going straight to the check down. He's yep. got Watkins on a deep drag early in the game. Doesn't even wait for it, right? Just throw, right. not even pressure, just pop, pop and goes out. We never question what Aaron does. And, you know, certainly he's got reads that I don't even understand. He, you know, he's, he knows football <clears throat> on a level that I don't, but from, you know, when you watch the tape, you can tell that he's on a quick play count, and then we we see why later on in in the in the game, obviously. Yeah. But, but most important, Ag, the Vikings punched us in the mouth, and we'll 100%. talk about more than entrenched warfare. But yep. how do you know when we talk about the Minnesota Vikings being able to play against the Green Bay Packers and and, and keep up with Aaron Rodgers and, and you know being able to play safeties deep, being able to force kind of deeper routes in order to in, in order to um, and to get home or having to mm-hmm. check it out, check it down early and yep. creating and creating some mismatches, maybe along the defensive line. The one thing that has to happen in order for that to work is you have to tackle in the secondary. You do. And the Vikings guys threw their bodies around with reckless abandon yesterday. And that's why they were successful. Yep. Um, I was watching, you know, another reminder. I was watching the, the Saints game from 21. It was slow out from the start offensively they they had a game plan and they realized what you said get punched in the mouth mike tyson said you get punched in the mouth all those plans you had before you got punched in the mouth change it took them a while to make those adjustments it wasn't until the third quarter where they finally got in the end zone that's when the adjustments happened so minnesota came ready to play because they knew what they needed to do they knew right away from the jump we're going to win this game by beating you up physically offensively and defensively um dalvin we'll talk you know we'll talk about him in a little bit here but I'm gonna mention now, Delvin Cook ran the ball hard, and then also our guys ran the ball hard. But it was just one of the things you you nailed it right on the head. Is Minnesota threw the first punch and threw often. So if it was a pinch count, Minnesota won that uh, punch count. I'm sorry, pitch a uh, punch count throughout the match here. The, the so. only guys that showed up. I mean, if you're asking if you're asking me, the only guys that showed up this game were there are two running backs yeah. on offense. On offense, exactly. If you're if, if we're gonna have a players of the week. You you picked you want AJ or, or Aaron? They they show those two showed up. I don't know about everybody else. What did right. you see in those guys? Like in those guys, I saw you know what I'm gonna do what I have to do to get the ball up the field, make my team help my team in every possible way because running the ball was very difficult. The Darius uh, 
Hunter, all the guys we mentioned the week before, they were making it hard on them. Hendricks in the gaps where they needed to be. But they still found little spaces here and there. For the summon of formations that LaFleur ha- you know, does a good job is doing, getting Aaron Jones out in space from the routes, from the alignment of that, get him long, you know, long handoffs. He got those. He was able to get five to 10, sometimes 15 yards out of that. But it wasn't easy. You know, Hunter uh, Smith coming down in the box, making great plays, great tackles. But then still, A.J. Dillon doing things that we hadn't seen him do a whole lot of, catching the ball out of the backfield and squaring guys off and running through tackles. Hey, he had a couple runs where 10 yards, 15 yards right up the middle where he's hitting literally every defender he hit or they hit him. And he's like, you know, what? he picked it. He dropped the ball, went right back there because he knew you could see the face. Like I saw his face. You know, they, they span to the sideline. They do the shot of everybody's face on both teams. And when they were walking, that that camera down the Packers sideline, they tuned in on AJ and Aaron Jones. They're sitting next to each other, and they're just looking at themselves, each other, like, all right, that look of we we got to do what we got to do right now. You know, it's not much going on. Yeah, the sledding, we can't run much, but we just let's just run what the line is going to give us and what that D line is going to allow us. And then after that, just 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 be the players who we are, and that's what they showed up. So I'm very I'm very um, satisfied with what I saw between AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones at the running back position. Well, well listen, we, we had, you know, a good rushing average, but the problem is it's, it's just inefficient. We've played in these games mm-hmm. before where you mm-hmm. go. So I remember we played in St. We played, uh, it was in St. Louis. St. Louis, and, we had a tough run. Yep. And we're, and we're getting the, the break speed off us all, all game. And then like the last series of the fourth quarter, uh, Najee rips off seven, uh, 97 stutter for like 70 yards. So our, all of a sudden our rushing average goes up. Right. You know what I mean? So we have over a yep. hundred yards. Everything looks good. This was inefficient. And the, mm-hmm. but, but these guys ran extremely hard. They were involved in the pat. They had to be involved in the passing game. AJ Dillon kind of showed a, a new side. of him, like you said, I think yes, he did. Was receiver, nice. which is not a good thing right. at all. It's not a good thing, but you just love, like we've been saying it for you know the last year, these guys are bell cows, both of them. And the fact that we have two of them, we're lucky. We just got to find a way to, to help them out. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get back to the top of this. So, so, so sometimes you can't recover from the miscue. So what does that do to not, you know, I say not only like somebody like Aaron's confidence, but the team's confidence um, around around that locker room. Well, yeah, I think we talked about this earlier, right? When 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 you make a, when you have an opportunity to kind of break out, get back to even first play of the season, those kind of things, it's, it's almost like mm-hmm. is this an omen for bad things? And right. I think individually, you have to have the confidence in yourself, knowing that you know one thing that always happened when when we were playing, when you're an offensive lineman, you have a bad play. There's this thing in your mind that creeps in to say, hey, man, it's a rule of three. Bad things come in threes. And so what you're trying to do right. is always like, man, I got to get past the next. If I can just get past the next play, then I'm going to be all right. But if that next play goes bad, then it's like you're almost guaranteed the next one is because mentally you just can't overcome that rule of three. Right. It's just really, yep. really hard. So I think from an individual standpoint, you got to be able to turn the page. I know they didn't come right back to Christian Washington, but they ended up giving him the end around. Then he caught a pass later on. So he got a little bit involved in the offense, not as much as we hope to see later on uh, mm-hmm. as the season progresses. But I think offensively, everything that you're reading, everything that you're hearing, everything that you're seeing with your own eyes in practice, missing Lazard, missing Bakhtiari, missing Jenkins, right? Not having Devontae Adams there anymore. Yeah. Not having these options. Not being really from a from a timing standpoint, not being really where you want to be. Mm-hmm. All that stuff shows up and all of a sudden you have a letdown like that. Man, it's really hard to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and like – Hey man, we got to keep going. Let's turn the page. We'll yep. see what they do against the Bears as far as offensively. But you know, def- defensively, listen, this is the problem, AG. Like we thought this was a top five, top three defense. 
Justin yeah. Jefferson is on every TV show right now. I could tur- turn on being the player of the week. Right, right. Are you kidding? Miscommunication, All misreads day. from the first play. From yeah. the first play, uh, Alexander says he wants to follow. He's asking to follow him all over the, the uh, yard. The first play, he starts chasing Jefferson instead of instead of taking the tight end in the flat. We get a first down, thirteen yard gain or twelve, whatever twelve yard gain. You know, right. miscommunication on the first touchdown. Yep. Well, you know, he goes across he's, formation. He's trying to we pass it over. He's looking. Yeah, for we don't help. pass it off. It's like yeah. how can you? I don't understand at this level of defense with this quality of players how we mess that up. Yeah. You know, for I said overall defense between they, they they look they were getting back there they were causing some a little problems but nothing where it was like Minnesota's offense was worried you could tell that okay they expected that type of rush to come from uh, Kenny Clark or from the ends with Preston Smith maybe going out and uh, covers a little bit but overall Kevin Kevin O'Donnell he had that offense prepared and the defense coordinator definitely prepared for what 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 they were expecting the Packers to come out to. You know, so the Vikings tested every level of our defense, the D-line, the O-line, uh, the defensive backfield from the play action and the form formations to get Justice Everson in those situations where it was going to cause problems to Zaire or any DB back there um, to try to bounce it from zone to zone. Or if it's man, you got to stay on it, you know, keep running. Because it's like you're I remember seeing that one play, one of the I think it was the second one where he had the big crosser for the touchdown where Zaire is like. Looking, he when he did this with his head, I'm like, oh man, he's lost because he's looking for help. When I saw him do this, when I saw his, I was like, man, that's a problem because you he should be he knowing, didn't chase him. right. He didn't chase. He stopped. He let him everybody go. Else is, and he tried to take the tight end. Everybody else is playing man, yep. and he stopped. And he and he took he he took this and they thought they were going to switch. No, oh, and yeah. it's like this, I mean, you know, you know, like defensive backs, it's all about communication, right? It's all about 100%. communication. And so when you're seeing these it. kind of errors, not once, not twice, but multiple times in the game, man, it's it was it it, it kind of makes you wonder, like at least for me, AG, and you give me your thoughts on this. Like, right. do we need to have a preseason game so we can at least communicate? Like, I you know, I'm a big fan of I get the uh joint practices and and we talk, but then you see something like this, and you're like, defensively, we're making mistakes. Like offensively, I kind of get it from a timing standpoint. Mm-hmm, but this mm-hmm. level of miscommunication on defense. You read my mind. I was thinking about this, but when you when I saw you editing about an hour ago, mm-hmm. and I was like going over my head, I said, beyond the miscues, I say miscues like this is because no preseason time. Like they're not between practices, practices, you know, practice is practice. They only contact so much physically from five days to 10 days to whatever. But then when the games come up, nobody, I say for this team, I'll speak for the Packers, mm-hmm. for the Packers practice our preseason games, they're not maximizing their time. The old, what's the old rule? What did we do? We did first game, first series. Mm-hmm. We're in there for the whole series. If we score a touchdown or not, boom, we're off. Second game, we'll play the whole first half. That means the first quarter, second quarter, whatever we do, score, touchdown, punt, we're playing the whole first half no matter what. Third preseason game, we're playing the first half and then half of the third quarter, and then we're done. And then fourth preseason is all the the free agent players, players on the bubble. Okay, maximize time. Now you only have three preseason games. What you do, just scale it back. First preseason game, first series. Second preseason game, first, first half. Third preseason game, let the young bucks have it. But you got to maximize that time now because this is now year two that I've seen this out of preseason. We've both seen it where the game, where the team, this team 
doesn't come out hitting on all cylinders. So just something, just a little note. I hope Matt LaFleur and that coaches have takes to say, all right, maybe we need to tweak some things in training camp to get to this part because right now coming off the week one kickoff game with a bad taste in my mouth, it does help the you know rest of the season still go from there because now we got the Bears coming to town. This is an easy game to get up for. And now we are we already getting punched in the mouth. We don't want to get punched in the mouth again. So this this week should be easy pre- to prepare for and scheme and all that stuff. But mentally be like, you know what? We just got into a fight. We lost. Let's win this fight from the jump when these Bears get here in Lambeau on Sunday. Yeah, well said. Let's uh let's let's just get right into trench warfare, man. Let's all do right. it. Let's do it. So listen, I think bottom line, when I when I talk about let's just start with the defense, which we rarely do, but because we're <laughs> on topic anyways. Right. When I look at in the interior, the offensive line for the for the Minnesota Vikings, I was surprised. And and listen, Kenny Clark uh, beat the center a couple of times. Like we mm-hmm. got some clean hits on Cousins. Cousins got rid of the ball. Yeah. But they did a pretty good job because they won their double teams. And I know that sounds like super easy. Like okay, of course you should win your double teams. We didn't really win our double teams on no, our offensive line. The, the Minnesota offensive line won their double teams. They helped on guys they needed to help on. They went out of their way to make sure Rashawn Gary had a guy, you know, a guy chip him every time or to send the guard out. They went out of their way to make the make sure the backside guard would come over and help the center on the other side to help against uh, Kenny. Okay. Yeah. We we just couldn't quite get home in time, even though a lot of these routes were a little bit deeper. You know, it just couldn't quite get there, Mm -hmm. and. The thing that was disturbing, we've talking about from an intensity standpoint. I know Coach LaFleur at halftime made some kind of statement about we're we're just not playing hard enough, or you know, they're 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 playing with more intensity than we are. But I you you don't really see Kenny Clark show up in the run game like you think you're going to. I know that Minnesota fans are like afraid of Kenny Clark in the run game. The way right. that I think a lot him. of players are. A yeah, lot the, Minis- are. The, Minis- the Minnesota the interior offensive line is usually pretty right. You don't really see hear his name. He's not popping up a lot on tape. He did beat the guy clean for a couple times in the passing game, and Cousins got rid of the ball. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to say that you know it, it was like a, a wasted effort, but it just wasn't what we're used to seeing. And like for mm-hmm. me, Ag, they're playing a rookie right guard who couldn't block very well. No, I saw and, that. Yeah, at and, times, at times, and, and he got the help he needed though. That's but, what they adjusted but, to. But okay, so I would just ask this, right? We right. talked about this last week. If you've got a guy playing right guard who can't who we want to test mm-hmm. that was like the only place you should put uh Wyatt Kenny Clark should line up there as often as possible 100 if if and, and then the other thing is like you see how they're using Z against us oh my god and yeah. what happens the first time Rashawn Gary goes down what happens he beats the right guard we get a sack one yep. sack for the game we don't really see him in there that that much after after that like he, why does he need to get 15 20 snaps I, I just that kind of stuff schematically didn't make a lot of sense to me this game yeah. I didn't like our pass rush plan. I guess is the easiest way to put that. Yeah, they probably I said probably got to the point where they were reeling and not paying attention to those little details, mm-hmm. like saying that oh it's a problem when we move Rashard here or if we put Kenny. Like I'm 100. I'm I got a rookie tackle or like you said rookie guard tackle. Yeah, my best guy is going right there at least five times in the first series. Right, and then, and then moving up from there to see what happens because then if I get him in that kid's head, then it's a problem. Because we know defensive line, offensive line, how things work. It's physical first, and then eventually mentally comes in because guys starts chapping, and then or you get beat, you get punched in the mouth. Then you're like, okay, I got him. Now I could do this with him. 
you know, even line. That's what you thought too when you played. I know you do a, a block move and boom, you did it. Then you're like, okay, I'm in this guy's head. Now I could work this, go from there. Same with me in the run game. When I get the ball, that first two plays, in one of those two plays, I'm going to just hit somebody as hard, as hard as I can. I don't care what I got in front of me, if it's a first down or a touchdown, but I'm going to send a message. This is the message I'm sending. You got to deal with this before quarters. But then now, once I see that I'm in their head, now I could, okay, I could drop my shoulder again or I could juke him. I could stiff for him. I, I could play with him because he's making business decisions now. He said, man, I don't want to deal with this guy for four quarters. He's going to hit me in my face every time like that. Yeah, that's the problem. And so players got to understand they got to use their ability to that level. Then you get that. Then you could do your game. You know, offensively, Gary could defensively do his thing there. So um, they, they just got to get to that mindset. I always wonder if they, you know, we talk about pass rush plans and what, what the, maybe the coordinator, the D-line coach has lined up for these guys. And I just, mm-hmm. it, it was a little confusing for me because, you know, first of all, Christian Derrishaw, the left tackle, he played, he, you know, he, he got beat a couple times. Mm-hmm. He played really well. And for I know he's Minnesota. First, yeah, for Minnesota. Minnesota and he, yep. and he's a first round pick and he, he probably should. I know O'Neal for the, I thought O'Neal, I, yeah. I thought that Gary would beat O'Neal all day, every day. And mm-hmm. in the way that we're rushing, we're not challenging the edge. You know, we talked about this last year a little bit. Like, there's a certain way to really make people feel uncomfortable. And especially yeah, when you have guys who are angle setting, sitting that 45-degree angle, things are happening pretty fast. So you really have to be able to take edges and challenge leverage. And yeah. we ran into these guys so often and tried to work hands off after running into them. But And that's hard. Foot, yeah, that's footwork, hard footwork and body position win the matchup, right? Hands, mm-hmm. hands can save the matchup. But footwork and body position win the matchup. That's like football 101. And we just kept running into these guys. The times that we did take edges, we had success. But, gosh, man, it just didn't happen enough yesterday. And the other thing I'll say is you watch the Minnesota defensive line. You watch some of the lines across the NFL. Mm-hmm. And what they'll, they'll do a really nice job of, like, bringing guys off the edge and then taking the defensive end, letting him spike across the tight end, letting him spike across the tackle, spike right. in the three technique. And what we do a little more often is – We'll have our defensive ends who are, I think, our, you know, if not our best players, along with Kenny, our best, yeah, some of our Preston, best guys. Yeah, Preston and uh, Rashard. Yeah, so, but they, they're always playing contain against tight ends. And so they're playing that contain position where they can't rip underneath and go make a play. And then they'll insert the safety or insert the, mm-hmm. the linebacker into the B gap, where for me, sometimes because of the quality of talent that you have at both those positions, it's like, why are we not having them? take the inside on those tight ends every once in a while, spike against the tackles, and use their athleticism to create more havoc. It just seemed almost a little yeah. bit vanilla yesterday yeah, as far yeah. as how we're going to attack. Yeah, it's like – because I remember a coach saying – I can't remember which coach it was. It was definitely at the college level. But I remember coaches saying what you just explained. Give our players the best plays where they look – you know, the best the, – give them the plays where they look good, you know, where they're going to maximize their talent. That's where we want to put them. It might have been Charlie McBride. That was a defensive coordinator at Nebraska when I was there who was a great defensive guy. And he would say that. I could hear him yelling at it, Coach Osborne, and that's what you just mentioned. I mean, to have Kenny, to have Preston and Gary only in good positions once a half, you just got to restructure that game plan just to make sure because you want to obviously not be in this situation again, one. And then two, you got some tough games coming up, starting with this one with Chicago. So put your bla- put your players in the best place so they can win, and and that's offensively and defensively. So yeah. we saw that, and so we, we saw one guy here is uh, the defensive player of the game. What you got here? 
Might. Yeah, yeah, Mean Dean Lowry, man. Lowry showed up, and Effort. I know, he, I know, you know, from a stat standpoint, you know, I think he had three tackles total, two solo, but he was winning his matchup. He was in the backfield. He was bull rushing. He was creating mm-hmm. pressure. He was taking on double teams. He he just did his job extremely well. And we uh, we know, you know, he's kind of a lunch pail guy, and we love him. But mm-hmm. you know, there's there's one thing that I wanted to go back to. Because Minnesota, again, we talked about getting punched in the mouth and right. their defense, the way their DBs were making plays. On a couple of the bubble screens, on, on things where you kind of have to fire your gun, like yeah. wide receiver screens and whatnot, our guys hesitated yesterday. Yeah, and, and that makes Watson, it, not getting and that, his head around. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that makes a difference, right? It makes a difference on the edge from a wide receiver standpoint. It makes a difference on the edge from a DB standpoint. Sometimes it's, you got to go out there, throw your body in there, and fire your gun. Yeah. And that's something that's got to come from within, but it's also got to be pressured on by that entire unit. Again, that was kind of the disappointing part about our team yesterday. Yeah, just uh, that 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 what we call sense of urgency wasn't quite there um, for guys on the field. It it went to the sidelines and it basically was coming back and forth between offense and defense, and it, and it just started like we mentioned. It started with that first big play that was a mishap of Christian Watson dropping the ball. That's where it started, and then from there it was just a domino effect. Um, so now let's get to the offensive side of the ball here. You have here talking about Z and Daniil. So Hunter, listen. Uh, you know it's it's funny. Um, Zadarius Smith. I remember when he came in to to Green Bay, and I remember talking to some of the guys in the building that, that mm-hmm. you and I both know well, saying that this guy completely is changing the culture of the, of the locker room in the way that he approaches everything. He kind of had that Baltimore Ravens attitude, bringing that to Green Bay. And just making guys believe in themselves, making guys just, you know, enjoying the competition, enjoying just, just being ferocious. And, you know, this week he made a big deal about, he felt he wasn't treated well when he got hurt and all these mm-hmm. things. And he, he went to Minnesota to play green Bay twice and he was going to have an impact. And we talked about it. Like we knew yep. he was going to have an impact. I didn't think that it was going to make a difference because I thought we were a better team. Correct. But we did. one thing, one thing that, that he's done apparently at least for one game is he has transposed his his culture, the way he thinks about football, onto that Minnesota Vikings team because right. that's you know, when we talk about out you know playing hard, all that's that's Z. That's Z. He came in and he made a huge difference. Daniel Hunter, I mean, when we're having Bakhtiari and, and Jenkins versus these two discussions, it's that's a different game. Thing. Yeah, that's one thing. thing. When we're ha- when we're having Yash and and Royce, that's a completely different thing. Daniel mm-hmm. Hunter, listen, man, he, there's some plays that he didn't get a sack on. Right, I saw moves I hadn't seen before. <laughs> that, that dude, that, that dude has moves on. Yeah, he's legit. Right, and and to to Z's point, to Z to your point about Zadarius is the fact that that was year one when he got to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. He, he came in there and he disinfected everybody with the leadership, with the effort in practice, an effort in games. We saw him off the ball. Even that two plays at the end of last season that he came in and played when his you know from the back mm-hmm. or two years ago where he only had a two series and in the two series, he caused disruption and he got a sack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that right there just showed me he's about that life. He's about football life during the football season. And he even showed up to where, to a point, it was a play in there where I think it was a reverse and Aaron went to block him. He didn't oh. win the block. He didn't win the block, but the interaction between them, you know, they were, you know, they got in each other's face. It was more, but it was more of like a friendship level thing that just showed me that Zadarius is about teamwork because he even even though they're not teammates no more, they just shared that moment. But you know what? I'm in a purple jersey now. You're in white jersey. 
I had to hit you, you know, you know, you okay, I'm okay, ha ha ha. But you know what? Let's get back to the snap. So that just shows where his mindset is, you know, to then go to another team in a division and and you know what? We gonna I'm gonna beat him up twice a year, and he's gonna do that. So I think that right there should be a clear message of what 55 is gonna do when you know they come back to Lambo here later in the season and be and for those guys to be ready for it. I say if you you can't read that message no clearer, then <laughs> You just don't have your awareness. I don't know. Yeah, I can't. Well, I don't know what to say it's, about it's, that. It's it's also it's a void, apparently. Yes, it's, it's a void. It's a 100%. void in our locker room, right? And yep. that's and that's kind of the you know the the point that I was. It was eye opening for me. Was like, oh my god, does he take that with him? Like, is it try? He's put it back in his you know black leather bag, and like he takes that with him. And like, do we do we not get it anymore? Like, what happened? You know? Um, yeah, that's a, that's some things. Yeah, and you're right. It might be one of those things. Something you can't. Uh, duplicate you can't replace but you got to find it some way they, and the Packers got to do that they got to find it some way through a person or just through a team effort somewhere right. let's talk about this offensive line because listen we know that we're, we're missing our two best guys mm-hmm. um Josh has played at a high level I don't think either of us feel, feel great about Royce at right tackle but it is what it is yeah um just miscues and mistiming to start the game you can tell they haven't been playing yeah and now um, and might be out we don't know we'll yeah see. well listen JRJ, uh, and you know, he's been on the, he's a friend of the program and yep. I'm a big fan of his. Me too. He got absolutely lit up a couple times yesterday. And if it's, if that can, if, it, if it's a concussion, then I can tell you what play it was because I mean, he got, was it the one where Aaron got sandwiched or was it before? Uh, or after that? It looked, well, there was a play that he was coming off and I think Hicks hit him and he oh. went, he went in the air backwards. And I mean, it was, it was, as, it was as clean a linebacker that. hitting a guard that I've seen in a long time. Mm, um, okay. Just, and, and it had, but again, it goes, it just points to kind of the ferocity of the Minnesota defense. Like but Miss right. Yeah. He's, 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 you know, I think JRJ started the game tripping on Rogers on an outside zone play. We have, we have tight ends. I mean, we're playing we're playing people because maybe because of the situation because Lazard's hurt we're playing people who who aren't avid blockers you know aside right. from Mercedes Lewis listen when you I'm, everyone's glad Tenyon's back but you know when you're in there as a chip blocker to help the offensive line you, you know you're you're there to take a little bit of pressure off of Royce with Daniel Hunter and yeah. he's literally playing two-hand tag and just trying to get onto his route as fast as he can and then Daniel Hunter's just essentially getting in the same free rush on the on the tackle and you're going then right. act like you really want to help the team win the game you know yeah. aside from receiving like it's a dirt like the dirty part of the business is a part of a lot of people have you know we have the most respect for 100 percent. you know it's just about those coaches holding those players accountable and players too amongst themselves because seeing um running in there was great but then when he you know he's gonna run his route but yeah you gotta chip you gotta secure before you go you gotta put two hands on a guy and push and keep that guy on top of that tackle and not just give a little a love tap and then get out to your route. You got to actually reset him. So then he's all color is covered up by that, that, by that tackle or guard that he's or the tackle that usually he's, he's near. So I know, I know exactly yeah, the technique of, of help you're talking about. You and I both said running and everybody knows we mean Tanyan, but, but uh, you talk Ty, Tyre Davis is in the game. Yeah. Dewar is mm-hmm. a, a willing guy. He's just, we just got to keep he's working. Gotta on get him. more experience. Yep. Yeah. But the, like these, these guys are not, up to standard to participate in a game that's going to be that physical. And so we got in that, you know, where, like, where did we get that blocking last year? Lazard. Yep. Who's now the number one guy probably doesn't have that role, but no like, more. All right. we need, we better, we better find that guy, you know, and I'll just say to. this on the inside that like we talk about Zedarius, we talk about Daniil Hunter. I didn't think the inside guys would give us much trouble. And 
I'll just tell you right now, this guy, uh, 94, is uh, – I don't want to screw his name up because I did last time. Dalvin Tomlinson from New York. Mm-hmm. He absolutely killed us. I mean, a problem. He, he killed us in the run game. He pushed the pocket in the past. I, I didn't, I really didn't think he was that kind of guy. You know, you, when you watch tape, you're going, okay, he's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a good player. He's nothing. This guy mm-hmm. killed us. He, whenever we double teamed, he could go right to the, make it turn into a single block and, and throw the guy off. When we yeah. single block the guy, he, he, he created an angle and he could throw the guy off. When he, when we passed rush and they got too close, he'd do a, a simple move. And he, he doesn't look like he should be able to pass rush when you give his body dimensions the way he kind of gets around. But right. he was he was effective all game. He, he did a really, really good job. And maybe you know one of the kind of disappointing things is if you're a good offensive line, when they're running twist games, you should actually be happy. Like yeah. Because basically when you run a twist game, you all of a sudden aren't really doing a move. It's like you're going – you're going straight and then you're looping or you're running, you're, you're penetrator, you're a looper, but all your best stuff, your chop club rips, your swipes, your double wipes, all those things are kind of off the table because you mm-hmm. got to run this predetermined route, but we're not stopping the penetrator at all as a tackle. They're not slamming back. So Daniil Hunter multiple times running three, running free on tight end, you know, TE games. And yeah. it's just like, it was just frustrating, right? Because we it know is. it's a hard place to play, and I'm, you know, I'm not from you know, sound and everything. Yeah, yep. yeah sound, the sound, all that stuff is difficult. But you just want to see a little bit more intensity out of that group. Yeah, you know, and 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 it, it, it and it, intensity, good or bad, spreads, and that's what we saw throughout the game. And just you know, come that third quarter, they finally got a little jump out of there, got in the, got the ball in the end zone, but that was pretty pretty much it. Everything was tough from that standpoint on. Um, offensively for the Packers and defensively too. Um, but they, I say, if anything, like I mentioned earlier, learning lesson, look at the mistakes and then get those things corrected up real fast. <laughs> That's what they got to do here. So we got, uh, where are we at here? Too many, too many key guys hurt in that type of environment. And uh, when you, when you write that down, what's, what, what are you, where are you going with that one? Well, I just, I mean, I think it's clear, right? We talked, mm-hmm. we talked about it uh, at the beginning, like, you know, this isn't, this is a results driven business, but it is difficult. It, I, it was very interesting to, I guess, to see ultimately, if you look at this game, <clears throat> everybody's going to play injured, you know, during the course of the season, this mm-hmm. is maybe our time right now, but you're missing your two tackles. Maybe the biggest problem right now that we we have, honestly, is that Bakhtiari at this point, if he's not back, like if he's really not back after week one, and, and I think they said something last week, like, we're not going to rush this thing. It's been almost – it feels like it's been two years. I know it hasn't been that long, but it feels like it's been two years now. And so you start going, like, well, shoot, man. Right. You know, I hope I hope he's okay. Right. But I hope he can play for this team. And if not, like, we need to go find a, a solution. We need to find it now because the team that we're putting out there right now, given all the other inconsistencies that we have and, and, and lack of, I guess, experience at the receiver position with this – in this offense, we're going to have to manufacture more yards, more everything with the running game with AJ yeah. Aaron. And gosh, like it's, it's, this is one of the few times since I think Aaron was much younger that I was like, he's looking out there and he just, you, you can't find somebody open. And, you, and when you watch the all 22 and you watch, you know, the yeah. copy, you can't find a lot of people open in this, in, in the offense yesterday. And that's tough. Yeah, and I saw that it was definitely some a couple dropbacks when I, I could see myself. I said, "There's nobody open," Mm-mm. and he's moving his feet. He's extending the pocket. He's not pushing up because pushing up was a sack. So he had to go left or right. He had to, he couldn't go up the middle. 
and, and climb in the pocket. Um, so yeah, and 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 that is a just as a watcher knowing what he's doing, and then I know his feeling as a quarterback is like, oh my god, this is a problem. Um, and so some of the looks he's given, you know, to the receivers, to the you know, to himself or whoever he was looking at off on where the camera was catching his facial expressions, it just shows you um, what has to be done here in the next week. It has to be fast. So uh, receivers got to get open. Uh, guys got to understand no matter what, who's out there blocking, get your blocks and then communicate among the blockers on the offensive line. And the same on, and then on defense too. communicate in the back defensive back end. You can't be a veteran or pro bowl DB and not be communicating or not hearing that from other DBs in the backfield. If you're running zones or even different games to cover and lock down a number one or a number two receiver, that's just one running feed. That's what we saw with Justin Jefferson. You can't have a guy like that. Like, man, I'm not being touched. Oh, okay. I'm going to just run here and uh, wait for the ball. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, just stuff like that. You just got to make sure now this was a learning lesson. We got select shellac. Let's go. You got to wake up because another wake up. We don't wake up by the end of September. We could be looking at one and four, one and three. And, and that's not a good place coming out of this division since everybody, like I said, from the start, from Detroit to the Bears and obviously the uh, the Vikings all got better in terms of mental side and now are executing at a higher level from week one. Obviously, just week one, just one game um, before uh, before everything else gets going here. So yeah, sometimes this stuff goes poorly. Listen, guys, like our secondary is going to get improved. We know, we know yeah. everybody's going to play better. Yep. Seven seven twenty next weekend versus the Bears Sunday night. You know, I, I'm sure these guys will want. be ready. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm sure these guys will be ready to go. So. Bad, bad way to start the week. Bad, yeah, very bad, bad way, way to start, start the week. <laughs> yep. So I guess you want to head over. We want to get it. We done here. Yeah, let's just get off my line. Let's just start. Let's just talk about the obvious uh, elf yeah. in the room, man. Yes. Scott, Scott Frost out as Nebraska Cornhuskers head yeah. coach. Um, interesting point. I think if they waited till October first, they could have saved seven and a half million dollars. So they're going to give them a full payout of fifteen million, yeah. which is is a consolation. Like to Ed Ogeron, that was all the consolation he needed. But you know, I think Scott is a diehard. You know, he was the guy who's supposed to save that that or yeah. resurrect that that uh, the community there. And it's it really is a shame, man. He's a good dude. I don't you know who knows what happened. I'm sure you have a better insight to talk about this than I do. But yeah, you know, I, I feel I I feel for him. You know. Yeah, it was he had I know it was a lot going on on and off the field, you know, from people that I know being from the state, from my hometown Omaha, then Lincoln where I went to school down there with him at. It was on the field, off the field. And I say more of the on the field stuff with the with the players in the locker room where he kind of lost them. You know, the players weren't buying in to whatever the coaches were were selling. And uh and it is it's you look at NIL, you look at transfer portal on top of just trying to be a college football coach or a college high D1 coach anyway. You know, so you just add those with stuff that we didn't have when we were in college. We didn't have NIL deals. We didn't have transfer portal. If a guy transfers out of program during our time, they they transfer and then they had to wait a year. And so that's a year off of their time in school. They could probably go to school, but they couldn't play participate on the field or the basketball court or the baseball diamond. Now kids can transfer and play instantly that same year they could transfer in the spring and by that fall there are, there could be starter at, at whatever position so you not only is he fighting against that but then also the regular stuff that you got to do dealing with a program that has had the a-bomb several times in terms of coaching staffs being taken out yeah. and replaced by the next coaching staff saying this coach staff will do it 
this one will get us back. Is it to the white. same athletic director every time or no. president? No, it's different. different. So okay. Trev is now the since my time, the third athletic director. So okay. since 1997, we've had three athletic directors. He When's the last the time you would say they were good? Probably right before and during the time of the two. I say between 2000 to 2002. That was the really good years because Frank Solis was the coach at that time. So he was a previous coach under Coach Osborne. As we've seen in the past in college and pro, when somebody's within the program that is now the head coach, the program continues as is. There's not much drop off. We for went a couple of years. Right, for a couple yeah. years. Yeah. Coach Solich, his year one was 12 and 12 and two. Mm-hmm. I think next year was 12 and three. And they beat Michigan in Alamo Bowl. Alamo Bowl. So they're relevant. But they haven't been they haven't been relevant. I mean, Nebraska time. was the time. was the team, right? It was 100%. Nebraska and Miami forever, and, and they were, and now they they haven't been relevant in twenty years. We have no for no real reason. And, and it's, I say the reason that I know what I see, and it's just like, but it's what we and me know about sports culture. Yeah. What is that culture in the building, and what is the culture that those coaches are building for players that are on campus and the players are coming to campus? When I was recruited, I came to that school on my visit. It was only 50-mile drive, but I knew right away the best players are going to play regardless of their their, uh, upperclassmen or or lowerclassmen. They're going to play. The best player, literally, that's what Coach Alper said, the best players are going to play. I don't care where you are, if you're young or not, but if you understand what you need to do on this team, offensively, defensively, and special team-wise, you're going to play. And then players – like on our, some of our teams in Green Bay, we held each other accountable. When we had a pra- bad practice, I didn't have to have the coach tell me what was going on. I had Lawrence Phillips saying, hey, man, what's wrong? You know, you got a problem? Or I had Christian Peterman come up to me, hey, bro, you don't run the ball like that. This is how Nebraska – and this is the defense alignment telling me how to run the ball. As a freshman, so you know what I said? Yeah, okay, I feel you. I respect that. Thank you. I needed that information. You run the ball harder, AG. You need to come harder. You don't, we don't run the backs, don't run like that. This is Christian Peter telling me this. And so that right there, this that told me this is the place for me. I wonder if I wonder if seriously. So that's missing. That is missing there now. Players like that are missing from the program and why we're not where we're at, where we should be. Let me um, ask you this. Since, AG. Time, since my time. Let me ask you this, AG, because in the pros, I don't think you could say that to a guy. I don't think a defensive lineman is going to come up to a running back in the pros and have that that conversation. Necessarily 100%. Because, right. because it's all about, I mean, it's dollars and branding and blah, blah, blah. It's now egos, you, all that. You, you used to think that in college you had that kind of relationship. It was a brotherhood. It was family. All, you know, it, A little bit more so because there wasn't money involved. I wonder now because of NIL and because of this transfer portal, portal excuse me, I really wonder, and you, you know this, but you're more involved in the college team than I am. Do you think that's? Do you think it's possible to resurrect that kind of culture at a program like Nebraska, given all the restrictions you just talked about? Yes, it, it, it's definitely a chance. It's all in my book. It's always a chance, and the reason why I say that for this program is the fact that every coach that's come in there, even Scott, for a time, he had the players buy-in. Why? Because he was a former player. He won a national title. He had the respect of what he, the players knew because those players' parents were us. They were the same age as us. They remember, oh, 
Scott and mom were in the backfield or Scott did this. And, you know, Matt, Matt Davidson did that, that, you know, so people recognize it, and then they'll say on there, they tap on their kid's shoulder. Hey, that, that was a quarterback of the national title team back in 1997. You know, he led them along with, you know, these other players on defense and offense. So yeah, he, and you see what he did at central Florida. So he's going to bring that same mentality here. So that was the first year, but then that kind of dissipated with, that's, with that's things hope, on the offense. Though, so. That, so like, so like that happens, that happens with, you know, you fire a guy and then the, whoever comes in, they win their first game of the first two games, right? There's right. just kind of, there's just kind of blip and it's kind of returned to the mean. Yeah. And the, and the question is, the question is how do you turn those good feelings, that hope, that, that, um, that outlook into something sustainable. Right. And at mm-hmm. some point, this is like, you know, we talk about this all the time with coaching staffs, you know, at some point you have to offer these players something that they, a don't have right now mm-hmm. and B desperately want, even though they might not know it at the moment, right. True. You have to be able to give them, and I, that could be different things for different people. It could be it a, a mentor. It could be technical mastery. It could mm-hmm. be a better understanding of the game. It could be opportunity, but you have to know how to deliver that message. And I, I think that's the hardest thing about all of these programs now. Yep. All these things about these programs, right? It's like you have to make so many promises, just empty promises to so many people in order to get to the point where you right. can have influence. And then once you have influence, you're like, God, I, I stretched myself a little thin. Right. And and what I've done, and I, and I know exactly what I'm talking about, because this is that type of society of, of recruiting now for college coaches that they have to almost bow down to. Mm-hmm. And but I'll say this, I'll say this because this is how I've done it. Even though I'm not, you know, I'm not a, at a big D1 school. And then I'm not coaching traditional sports. I'm coaching esports. I took a philosophy that Coach Osborne used and what I noticed as a kid when he was recruiting me. And then every player that I helped host and recruit in, they end up coming to Nebraska. Every guy that I recruited came to Nebraska. Why? Because I told them what what Coach Osborne told me. If Amon plays or if he practices well, if he studies the playbook, he will have an opportunity to play ball here. That means he has to hit the weight room. He has to hit the books, stay out of trouble. He will play. There is nothing simpler than that. And that's what I've told players that I've coached in high school, that I've now coached in this esports team. I said, look, when I've coached kids from Florida and said, hey, man, you want to come here and play Call of Duty? I'm just letting you know you're going to need a double, triple down, double coat. It's cold as hell here. I'm just telling them, I'm just telling them what's up. I'm not going to sugarcoat nothing. I'm not going to tell them some fantasy story that's not going to happen. Be real with the kids from the start. Hey, you're going to come. And I remember having a conversation for year one. When Scott got hired, I said, Scott, hey, uh, let me come down. Can I come down to spring ball practice? He said, yeah, come on down. We can hang out. We can talk. You can talk to the players, whatever. I got to the players. We worked out in the weight room. And after the workout, I said, look, straight up, whoever's juniors and seniors right now, y'all we about, y'all about to get thumped in the mouth right now. You're getting into the Big Ten. You're, you now got a new coaching staff, and you've been here for three years. And now you got a new guy that you got to impress. So just know y'all the foundation though. Y'all getting y'all butt kicked is what we need to get to the top level because we need that. You learn from losing. You learn from getting punched in the mouth. You learn from having a bad play, missing a block, throwing an interception, fumbling the ball. You learn. Do we hate when it happens? Yes. We don't want to feel that feeling, but those feelings, flip them around. Have that fear of that mistake push you from behind instead of stop you, get in front of you. Do that. And so if you keep it real with these kids, then you'll see the ones that's going to bow out. 
you know what? We didn't, you know what? Not, not to say a mean way to say it, we didn't need you, but at least I see now where you stand. Then yes. you ain't about that life. Then, okay, move on. Go to the next school. Go to that school that's already got all the bells and whistles. We are a program that's struggling, but we're trying to make it right. And right now, it's going to be a lot of, like we said earlier, it's going to be a lot of crow eating going on before we start to get that steak dinner or that lab, that uh, crab leg dinner again. Just know that. Just, if you keep it real with these kids, then you'll find the ones that are about that life. Then you'll, you'll find the ones that are not, pretty much. Well said, man. I, it sounds like the next head coach. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> let's let's skip to the bottom of uh, get off my lawn because the only yes, thing I, the only other thing I wanted to bring up was Motley Crew is touring again. Uh oh. And I need to get I need to get on this, but they're getting a little bit in trouble. Now remember, Motley Crew is older than we are, right? So yeah. They, so eighty bands they used to go hard in the paint. Yeah, That's they, I know. Yes. They, so these guys and these guys like listen. They the, I don't know if you've read the book The Bible. The no, book, I haven't. Not, but I, okay, I've but heard of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and they they had they made a movie about these. I mean, these guys are legendary. Mm-hmm. So right now they're 50 some years old. They're going to these. I have to imagine that like you and me are going to these concerts, not like 20 year old people are going to these concerts. Right, right. right. And then, they're, but they're asking everybody to show everything, you know, men and women during these concerts and they're getting in trouble. Cause like, all, I, I'm assuming all these the like flipping? 50, all these yeah. 50 year olds are, you know, pulling up, yeah, pulling up, the, up t- the hood, yeah. pulling down the trousers, doing the whole thing. <laughs> it's like, and and I know it's crude. I know it's crude. And it's not funny, but damn right. it, it's pretty funny, man. Because like, if you imagine going to a show and like all these, you know, middle-aged people are just acting wild. I mean, it's just oh. I just love it, dude. I, yeah. I just I, I love those guys. I went to a concert when I was probably twelve with my mom. It was the Neville Brothers, a jazz band mm-hmm. that was out in Louisiana. My dad actually grew up with the, some of the singers, and my dad got sick, so my mom was like. You know, I'm gonna bring you with me to the concert. And I said, okay. You know, I'm being, you know, I'm gonna support my mom. And my dad's sick; he couldn't go to concert. We get there, and, and like you just said, thank God my mom didn't go full, you know, pulling up stuff. But I saw her; she's in here doing her thing in the row, and I'm just sitting there like, I, I don't know what to do or say. I'm like, I'm seeing everybody like dance this up, but me. <laughs> so I know that feeling right there. He's like, I went to the shows when I was younger, and so now I'm like, well. And I remember how everybody behaved. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, but 50 year olds can't behave that way, can they? I was like, oh man. Oh yes, they can. Oh, they can. But you want to hit this hero of the week, man? Because yes. this guy had a day. Oh yes, for for sure, for sure. My man Saquon coming back from the knee injury and getting a big win or touch. Yes. I mean, to get that ball in the end zone like he did is <clears throat> it, just like yes, because I like this kid from the time I saw him at Penn State. Right. I'm like, man, he's the full package. He could cast the ball. He could run. He could take it to the house. And between the tackles, he's a problem. He's not going to – he's going to move people. And so when he got hurt, I was like, darn. Because that, for me, was probably kind of the head of the spear for the Giants organization trying to get back on track, bringing in Daniel Jones, him having support with, with him, running with Saquon running the ball, but then also the receivers they had when they had Odell, but then uh, Shepard as well, who was also a pretty good receiver. That is, I believe they're number one now. Mm-hmm. Um, also had some big plays in that game too. So, hey, yeah. and and unlike us, what we were talking about, blocks inserts right. himself out. out, out on the he's a little dude too, and throws his body around. And right. all you, it's you know, it's like it's like one of those things. Like all you need is enthusiasm, man. How hey, how are we gonna get through this, guys? Some goddamn enthusiasm. That's it. I don't care how big you are. I don't care if you throw your body around. It might not look great, but you're gonna get a running back an extra three yards, and that's all we care about. 
throw your body around. Hey, Saquon, it was 18 carries for 164 yards and a touchdown. Woo. That's a good hey, that's even good for you. You know what that's I mean? That's a great day. Yes, it yeah. is. You I'm have asking. a day, you have it, you have a couple of days like that, we've, man. People start talking. We, we've had days like that. Yes. Yeah. We've had yeah, those man. days. Those are good days. Win or lose, those are good days. We did our job. Even That's better right. to win, though. Even better, like they did. They pulled it out for Dabble, or it's not Dabble. Um, no, Brian Dable, you're right. Dable, I was close. Yep. I was close. Yep. I was close. Yeah, Brian. Dable. So, listen, Tennessee blew it. That's they're two feet away from losing that game. Tennessee blew it. Tannehill let him down the field. Very makeable field goal. Honestly, right. they, they blew it. But good win for the program. And this is one of those things. Let me ask you this: He goes for two. It's nineteen to twenty. He goes for two, and I guess he went around and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna score a touchdown here." And he asked de- the defensive leaders. He asked some guys that've been on the field from offense, "Hey, are you guys good with me going for two? Because if they don't go, if they don't make it, they're gonna lose the game." I like and he, that. And he goes and kind of just you know make sure that everyone's on the same page. I don't know that it matters or what, but you kind of like it, don't you? A hundred percent. Because that's 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 showing that he has respect for you as a player and a coach to say you're on my level. I don't know everything. I my guts telling me, but I thought I need to ask you too. Well, it's it's like just to you, bring you, you in this conversation. You, I like and the that. Tennessee Titans got held to twenty points by the Giants defense, who wasn't. I mean, they're probably trying. They're you know, not on the map to, right now. That's right. So <laughs> I think you know. I map. think it's the, it's the it, like you said, it's the level of respect that he's showing. Like, hey, you guys fought and deserve to win this game. We can go to overtime, but I want to try to win it right now. I know you only gave up twenty this game. You deserve to win. Are you good with me taking this chance? You know, exactly. and I think that's awesome. I do think and, that's awesome. And saying that right there, I'll be like, go ahead. Let's do it. We, we ride together. We die together. Ride can you die. imagine? Boys for life, baby. Could you imagine somebody going like, nah, man, kick the field goal? Like, no. There's no <laughs> nah, man, kick the extra point. Yeah, no, right. I'm, I'm like, let's go. Ride or die. I'm oh, like, let's dude. go, man. It's football. Or, this is team sport at its finest right there. Yes. Do it, coach. We got your back. Press conference. Don't worry about it. We got you. You know. Hey, well, let's listen, but this is uh, we got this is a tough week. This way to yep. start out the season, but we got the Bears next week. It's always a good game. They won. Always they won. Game. They beat the Niners, and you know we, we didn't even talk about how bad Soldier Field is. I, I think they're it's coming up to Green Bay, but but they're coming know. to Green Bay. Yeah, thank but, God. Because what right a now, so disaster that place is right now. And listen, Chicago. Yeah. These all these games, like you said very well, is they're all all these teams are competing, and we still have to show that. We can, we have probably the most, well, definitely the most talented roster. Can we compete at the level required to get where do we want to go? We haven't shown that yet. We, and we, we better. <laughs> That's all I say. We better. I went to in division would be bad. We already know what, what Chicago coming in for. We already know where their minds are. They pulled it out, they squeaked it out in a swampland in Soldier Field. And I'm not talking about Louisiana. And against a good 49er team, too. That defense for the 49ers was, wasn't giving them nothing until, the, like, once it got really slushy out there, you know, because footing was bad. So tackling is all off a little bit, a little bit off. Footwork is a little bit off. It wasn't until the third, fourth quarter where Chicago kind of, you know, made do with mistakes 49ers made, but it wasn't big mistakes. It was like little, little tic tac things that, that paid, they paid for by getting a touchdown. Like giving up a touchdown to uh, the Bears, Justin Fields, Aquamania, St. Brown, um, those guys making those simple little adjustments and not falling down pretty much because it was like that. It was just it was. And, and, and the only thing I wanted to add is 
We don't know what the status of our tackles are. And uh, I've been with, I've been with right. Robert Quinn. I'm a big fan of Robert Quinn's. And Robert Quinn and he's is, a problem. Real, he is, a, is a real problem. He's a problem last year for us. And he's going to be a problem if we don't shore everything up. Hopefully we get back back. Hopefully we get Jenkins back. Hopefully we get Lazard back. But, you know, yeah. we'll see what happens. It's to see what happens. And, and we and we already know this. Like, you mentioned, you mentioned Quinn. You mentioned all the players on the defensive side ball. They're watching that film. And they're, they're going like, oh. Oh, is, the formula is there right now, right? Whoa, like, they see it. They yeah. see it as clear as day. The map is there. Minnesota has set a map for week two for the Bears. So it's just see how they're going to use that map. We'll see. That's why the games are played. Regardless of what happened, it's a new – you wipe the slate team come Wednesday, and now we're getting ready for the Bears. That's what those guys will be doing at 1265. And I'm ready for one hell of a game on Sunday night football. I don't know about you, Mike. Yes, I know sir. I'm, yes, sir. All right, we're going to bring that. It brings the show to the end, so welcome. So thank you for tuning in. I'm all I'm all over the place here. I got a lot going on, but Mike, great job with the show today. Um, places where you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Green 30 all one word. And uh, I got another gaming podcast I'll do. That's Amon Green's Gamers Lounge. That's 11 a.m. Central Standard Time live on YouTube, Amon Green's Gamers Lounge. Check me out there. And, Mike, let everybody know where you're at on social. Yeah, Mike Wall 68 on Twitter, process to perform on Instagram. AG, always a pleasure, bud. And always good. So we're going to be back next week to talk about that Bears recap and hopefully a win, like Mike mentioned earlier in the game. So we have good stuff to talk about. If not, we'll be eating crow again and talking about film breakdown and what they need to do to get better. All right, y'all. See y'all next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.